0: Friends, it's great to uh, uh, read uh, scripture this morning together. And uh, our reading for today is from the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk, uh, the first chapter, verses two through four, and then uh, from the second chapter, also verses two through four. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation. And make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. This is the word of God to us, the people of God.
1: Well, Thank you, Don. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name's Eric Henderson. I'm the Green Lake director, which means that I share the kind of lead pastor role here at Bethany Green Lake with, with Richard Dalsham, our, our senior pastor overall, Bethany, and Kendi Easley, our, our head of staff. So we kind of have this three-headed monster that, that, helps, uh, that helps support and lead this congregation. It's, it's a privilege to be with you this morning, and I want to welcome you. Uh, also, welcome those of you uh, tuning in online. Uh, we know that our community kind of extends around the world, and particularly over the summer, uh, many of you are joining us from your computers and phones and iPads and from your campsites and vacations, and so we're glad that you're with us. The good news is, though you miss the offering uh, in person, you can still give online, so... <laughs> Uh, and J- Jessica will send you a, a link there. Uh, we are continuing in our series today uh, called uh, Summer Shorts, where each week we're looking at a short book of the Bible and the big questions uh, that it asks. Uh, and today we're going to study the book of Habakkuk, uh, which is a real book in the Bible. I, I promise you. Uh, 1B, 3Ks. I was spelling it wrong all week. Uh, it's okay to use the index in, in the Pew Bible uh, or in your Bible to find it. And if someone wants to call it a, a page number, uh, that's no problem. I really don't like messes. Uh, I like things just so. I'm, I'm pretty particular. I've learned this about myself. Uh, I especially don't like uh, my kids getting me dirty, like when I'm dressed for the day. And so, you know, on the way out the door, it's time to give dad a, a goodbye hug. And I, I've been known to, to check them. Uh, over for for peanut butter and yogurt, bananas, honey. I've had I've had bad experiences. Uh, the other way this this hatred of messes manifests itself in my life uh, is uh, is in my my love of ironing. Um, I think I partially love ironing, but I also just really don't like wrinkles. And so some of you are like looking at your clothes. It's cool. There's no there's no judgment. Like uh, I I would love to to take out those wrinkles for you but we're both we're both busy but I'll set up I'll set up my board and my spray bottle and and I always make sure the iron's clean because the the kids have been known to do these like melty beads things that then there's like melted plastic on the bottom of the iron Uh, and so I'll I'll check it but then I'll set it up in front of the tv and just have a little ironing sesh and and just iron you just iron the cares away right Um, and, and it's not that I don't make messes myself, I, I make messes all the time, my, my wife will tell you that there's shoes and hats and clothes and things all over the place, I am a messy person, my, my dominant um, kind of posture in life is still laziness, but I don't like these messes, uh, and without turning this into a therapy session for me, uh, <laughs> I've done some thinking of, about my, uh, my aversion to messes, and I, and I think Keeping things clean is about my need for control, uh, especially when things around me uh, feel out of control. And, and that's a daily reality for me um, these days. I, I often avoid turning on the TV uh, for fear of the latest attack or death or, or controversy or tweet. And, and, I, and I for sure don't want to turn on the TV for fear of what my kids might see and hear. Uh, and sometimes I work up kind of the will to, to engage this issue some sort of issue that I think we can all agree on, and then I step on these, like, booby traps and then have to delete some friends on Facebook. Uh, And we've all been there, right? No? Okay. Uh, But but the days we live in, things are complex. Things are full of nuance. There's brokenness all around us, and in in my quiet moments while lying in in bed at night uh, or driving... Uh, driving in the car, and, and now, of course, driving, it's like 10 and 2, because anything else is, is like an EDUI, like you look at your phone or touch the radio. But in these quiet moments, I say, God, where are you? Reflecting on the pain and the brokenness in my own life, I, God, when is enough enough? You have the power to fix this. You can, you can save. And, and I'm running out of good responses to my kids when they, when they ask about the people living under the freeway. I used to call it camping. My daughter said, Dad, they have barbecues. Uh, and I struggle to comprehend a, another friend with cancer or a life-threatening illness or, or addiction. Another interaction gone wrong between a citizen and those tasked with their protection. And I can't get that image of the five-year-old Syrian boy just pulled out of the rubble from another bomb strike out of my head. He reminds me of my son. It's too much sometimes. So this hurt all around us, and this question, where is God in the midst of our pain, uh, keeps popping up. And through the book of Habakkuk, we're, we're shown that God hears our complaints, that he offers us hope, and then he moves us to respond in faith to God's faithfulness in the midst of every circumstance. So we're going to open up the word together, but invite you to join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for all that you have made. We see your goodness Uh, around us in your creation, and the people to our right and left, and in the world that you've created. And Jesus, we thank you for your work on the cross, and that the tomb was empty, redeeming all that God has made, bringing life. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that you meet us in our pain, that in the midst of uncertainty, we can be certain of your faithfulness. I ask that you teach us now as we open your word together, Lord, we love you. I pray these things in your name, amen. Well, Habakkuk is a prophet uh, of Judah, which is one of the the 12 tribes of Israel, and he enters into dialogue with God over this issue, uh, over the question of injustice. And he he makes two complaints, and both times God responds, and then this elicits from Habakkuk a, a final response that becomes a bit of a model for us in how we can respond in the midst of uncertainty of our lives. So we'll look at this first complaint together. As Don read... Uh, Habakkuk says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? I cry to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. The law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. There's three things to consider here. Uh, In Habakkuk's complaint, the first is that he's aware of suffering around him. He's not just speaking to the problem of evil in the world, but he's talking about evil in his own community, in his hometown. So think about Seattle, some of the issues that face us. Racial tension, socioeconomic disparity, political turmoil, lack of affordable housing, mental illness, drug addiction, human trafficking and exploitation on our streets, just under our noses and a foster care system with more children who need homes than willing homes. And many among us are scared and are hurting, longing for provision and safety and for new futures, but find themselves oppressed by those in power, or systems and structures allowed over time to grow like weeds, now out of control. The question for us is, do we see it? Are we aware? Habakkuk is eyes open, he's awake to the suffering around him. And to the extent that we're unaware, we say, God, open our eyes. And the second thing to notice about Habakkuk's complaint is that a complaint is made. That God is showing us here that complaints are a righteous response. There may be a difference between a complaint and complaining. And one of the things that might set those apart is this third thing. that he makes a complaint to the one with the power to hear and to respond it's important here to consider that the situations in our lives where, where things aren't right often lead, it, uh, lead to disillusionment and doubt. And our responses uh, to that doubt is key. The, the Barna Research Group recently published uh, an article on doubt and faith among Christians. And one of the questions in their survey was around, are, were there things that you stopped doing in response uh, to doubt? And I think there's a, a slide here. So this looks like the list of things you do when you have a doubt, uh, but evidently this is the list of things we stopped doing. The very places that we can find answers were places uh, we went away. People stopped attending church, stopped reading the Bible, stopped praying, talking with friends or family about faith. Some people did nothing at all, just made peace with their doubt. Uh, the article says that millennials were, were significantly more likely than un- other generations to stop doing all of the above, and it rates much higher than the general population. So how we respond to our unanswered questions is key. Habakkuk sees the suffering, he registers a complaint, and he addresses the complaint to the one with the power uh, to change it. And then, very significant for us, he sticks around and waits for a response. And God does respond. He says this, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. So he says, hey God, do you see what's happening in Judah? And God responds in this awe-inspiring way. You can almost hear like Liam Neeson uh, say these words as as Aslan or or the taken guy, right? Like I have a very specific set of skills. (laughs) Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Amazed, And this is the response that Habakkuk was looking for. Justice carried out. And then God continues with this. He says, See, I am raising up the Babylonians, or the Chaldeans, that that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves, and they promote their own honor. So God responds that he's going to use Babylon to judge Judah, not what Habakkuk was expecting. It's as if... There's a bunch of spiders in his house, so he calls the exterminator who shows up with a bunch of snakes and lets them loose to take care of the spiders. Uh, Now, I know that I don't think uh, snakes actually eat spiders, but I'm terrified of both. So, (laughs) we'll just... But this is not what he's expecting, which ultimately his dissatisfaction in in this answer leads to his second complaint of God. He says, "'Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die.'" You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? So his big question here is, how is this justice? The God whose eyes are too pure to look on evil summons the treacherous to swallow up those more righteous than themselves. He's dissatisfied with the answer that God has given. Again, but instead of packing it in, he, he doubles down and he waits for a response. Not only waits, but he stands watch. He's actively waiting. 2 verse 1 says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. He stations himself on the wall on the watchtower, actively waiting. He's looking out the window He's surveying the land around him to look for any sign of God's response, and this is significant because if you're like me, we often question God and then don't stick around for an answer, or we tire of waiting, so we hop on the couch with some nachos and turn on Netflix and 11 seasons of Frasier later, uh, as Pastor Richard shared with us a few weeks ago, we find that we've drifted, so we go back to Barna's research on doubt, and we see that folks stop going to church. They stopped reading God's word and praying and seeking counsel from friends. It's like a bad segment of family feud, right? Like, what things did you stop doing when experiencing doubt in your faith? Steve Harvey survey says, you pack it in. Uh, but Habakkuk shows us that, that we've got to ask questions of God, and then we've got to seek God where he may be found. Look for an answer in the right place. So the question for us is, what's your complaint today? And then, more importantly, where are you looking for the answer? And waiting is hard. Looking out, uh, I know many of you and I know many of your stories. Many of you have been waiting for the answers to your prayers for a long time. And many of you are waiting well. And Habakkuk is saying, take courage. Reminding us that God will be found in the waiting. And again, God does respond in the, in the midst of Habakkuk's waiting. Chapter two, verses two to four, as dawn read, then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. You can hear the music building here. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. It would linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. This beautiful passage God responds to Habakkuk again, and his answer here is threefold. The first answer, you've got to continue to wait. The revelation will come at its appointed time. And God's playing the long game here, and, I, and, it, and it's full of mystery. Uh, in my experience, God uses the pains in our lives uh, to shape us. We believe that God is always redeeming and restoring, bringing life, deserts into rivers, our timeline uh, isn't always um, how God acts, and, and he doesn't always respond in the way that we would expect, but it reminds me of, of Joseph's words to his brothers in Genesis 50. He says, what, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. The second part of God's response is, says, don't worry about the Babylonians. Their arrogance is, is doomed. it will be dealt with. In chapter 2, verses 6 to 20, there's a series of what uh, scholars call the the woe oracles, where God strikes the gavel five times, ensuring justice. Verses 6 to 8, the plunderer is plundered. 9 to 11, the proud conqueror is shamed. 12 to 14, the builder's building will become fuel for the fire. 15 to 17, the one who forces the other to get drunk will drink shame from the cup of God's wrath that's some serious justice and the idol is silenced before Yahweh who is on his throne and then God ends with this says the righteous will live by his faithfulness this leads us to the hope that's offered in the midst of our pain so God hears our complaints and he offers us hope but what is this hope? Habakkuk, on behalf of the people of Judah, lobbies God to enact justice on those who do violence, saying, why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? But if you go back to the original complaint, it's not why are you allowing evil to exist in the world? Why is there suffering in the world? But why are you allowing us to suffer? Why are you allowing unjust and wicked people to inflict pain on us? He's saying, we're the good guys. And God responds and he says, there are no good guys. Habakkuk has just described the effects of Judah's sin in in, in chapter 1 at the beginning there. Violence, injustice, destruction, wrongdoing, conflict, lawlessness. God says, you and the Babylonians are not all that different. No one is righteous. And this is central to our faith. Romans 3, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And you may sit there and say, did you say something about hope? Yes, this is good news for us. It's central to our faith and to the gospel. Our righteousness does not come from anything we've done, but what God has done. If the righteous are to live by our own faith, we're doomed. A dog won't hunt. The Apostle Paul reiterates this gospel, this good news over and over again. And one one of the places he does that is, Philippians 1, six, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So who began the work? Christ. And who will complete the work? Christ. This is good news because in all of our striving, in all of our running, our working to do and to be all things to all people, and to cover our tracks and just hope that grace is really real we're tired and out of breath and not sure how much longer we can try to keep our heads above the waves. And God says, stop. I began the work. I will complete the work. He says, relax. Inhale. Exhale. Be still. You've got questions. I'm the answer. And this is good news for us. Second Corinthians 4, we have this treasure and jars of clay and these broken vessels to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. Death is at work in us, but life is at work in God. Therefore we don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is temporal. Based on the faithfulness of God, we can trust God with our waiting, with our questions, with our longing, every circumstance. God's response says, the revelation awaits an appointed time and speaks of the end, and the end isn't contingent upon our faithfulness, but God's faithfulness. God has made a covenant with his people, and God intends to make good on his word. The law was there to teach us that try as we may and try as we might. We couldn't make good on our end. The law led us to see our sinfulness and our need for Christ. The law even boiled down as far as the Ten Commandments. We can't keep them. I think I broke three, like, just driving in this morning. So the righteous will live by his faithfulness. What the law could not do, God did. Amen? So this is good news, but it's hard news for us, too, some, call, some say we're living in what's called an overlap of the ages, uh, where clearly we're still a, a people in exile with the effects of brokenness and sin all around, all the while knowing that what Jesus did on the cross and, and in the empty tomb was final, and God's kingdom advances, restoring, completing deserts into rivers, dry bones come alive with the Spirit of God in them. But what about our illnesses, we say? What about our addictions and the oppression that many in our communities face, our struggles to get by? Our lack of satisfaction in our jobs, our relationships, our bodies. How long, Lord, how long, we say. And the hope we have in Christ through his faithfulness is a, is a flag firmly planted in both the present and the future in this already but not yet kingdom of God that's being built around us. But in this broken state of things, it's, it's perplexing, it's stretching, it's faith-forming, We need to position ourselves on the wall and actively wait for the faithfulness of God to prove true once again. So God hears our complaint. God offers us hope in Christ. And finally, this hope invites a response from us, as it did from Habakkuk. In in chapter 3, we see Habakkuk's response, and and I love this so much. He writes a song. Uh, He's just had this dialogue with God, full of lament, correction, reason for hope but it's short on answers and long on complexity and mystery, and, and Habakkuk responds in a song of praise. Now, I know that, that some of y'all prefer the sermon, uh, but don't discount singing. Uh, it's, it's powerful. When the depths of who we are cry out to the depths of who God is, these encounters with God and His Spirit, they shape the future. They literally change the situation on the ground. And we're invited to worship in the midst of, Of our waiting. And and there's a beautiful example of what can come from this worship in the midst of waiting found in Acts 16. Paul and Silas have just been beaten and thrown into prison after doing some of God's work in in the streets. And so, verse 25 says this: About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They're worshiping in the midst of their waiting. And other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake that shook the foundations of the prison. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he he drew his sword. He was going to take his own life because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in their house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he, hadn't come, because he had come to believe in God, he and his entire household. How we respond to God in the midst of our waiting, in the midst of these things that are often disruptions in our lives is key. How might God use your season of waiting to be an answer to someone else in the midst of theirs? So Paul and Silas, in the midst of their singing, uh, changed, changed someone's whole life as a result of how they responded. And Habakkuk sings as well. He writes this song, and, it, and it's, it's got three verses. He, he asks God to move. He remembers the way that God's moved in the past, and he, and he says, God, I'm going to trust you in the meantime. What a template for us as we engage uh, our doubts and fears. So that first verse, a prayer that God would once move again as God had done in the past. He said in three verses one and two, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. And in wrath, remember mercy. And then he goes on to remember the ways that God has been victorious as a divine warrior Verses 3 to 15 is this poetic retelling of the ways that that God has uh, worked in the past. It's God's power over the chaotic waters in creation. God causing the sun to stand still for Joshua. God's presence at Sinai. And then God's triumph over Pharaoh in the Exodus. And he ends with this. says he's going to wait patiently for the day of calamity. Believing that justice is on its way. It will not delay. And then he says he's going to put his hope in God in the midst of that waiting. He ends with this Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the, and the fields produce no food, that the, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. So there's this guy walking down the street, and he, he falls into a hole, and the walls are so steep that he can't get out. And the doctor passes by, and the guy shouts up, uh, hey, you, can you help me out? And the doctor writes a prescription and throws it down in the hole and moves on. And the priest comes along, and the guy shouts up, Father, I'm down in this hole. Can you help me out? And the priest writes a prayer, throws it in the hole, and And moves on. Then a friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me. Can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. And our guy says, are you stupid? Now we're both down here. (laughs) The friend says, yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. The answers God gives to our questions aren't always what we want to hear, and what we ask for isn't always what we really need. In the midst of our pain, in the midst of waiting for things to be made right, God is with us. He hears our complaints, offers us hope that He alone is faithful, and He invites us to respond. We may want answers. We may want information and understanding. We may just want to lift out of the hole. And God is, again, inviting us into relationship, jumping down into the hole with us, calling us forward toward a simple faith. It's mysterious. It's beautiful. It's frustrating at times. It's faith testing and faith forming, for sure. But I believe it's the answer to our question. James says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. We're going to move into a time of response, and as the band comes, they're going to lead us. Um, And I just want to invite us uh, to keep our hearts open to what God would have for each one of us. Uh, It's an opportunity for us now to practice this active waiting, an opportunity for for us to look within and confess, repent of the ways we've turned a blind eye to injustice, the ways we haven't waited well. It's a time to ask God for wisdom and strength in our waiting. It's also a chance to intercede, to ask God, to work in a particular situation or declare our trust in the midst of uncertainty. So we're gonna wait for a bit here. The the front is open as a a sacred place to to, to pray. There's prayer books here. Members of the prayer team will be up there as well. Um, But as we wait together, let's pray. God, I thank you uh, for your word. Lord, it it corrects us and it comforts us and, Lord, it teaches us, it inspires us, it reminds us of your trajectory of of faithfulness in the past and gives us hope for the future. God, I thank you for your church this morning. Lord, I can't help but think that many of the the answers uh, to the problems we face in our world uh, lie with us, with your people rising up. Uh, to step into all of these situations, wherever you would call us. And this morning, we pray, Lord, uh, grateful that you meet us uh, in worship, that you meet us in the midst of our waiting. Pray that our hearts would be wide open to you now, Lord, that you would speak to us. uh, Lord, for your glory, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Let's respond together.